God is good. Everybody say, God is good. Now, the message today, we're going to make our confession, the old confession, in just a few moments. But uh, you and I are actually created in the image of God. And we share that a lot in this church. And we were created in a certain way that we would operate based on how he wanted us to operate. That we would have a spirit, would have a soul, would have a body, our flesh. And that then everything would flow in perfect harmony with God. And that we would never be able to think a bad thought, and I've shared this a few weeks ago in, in regard to our thinking, that you would not be able to think a bad thought. Now, everybody say this, God doesn't want me ever to think a bad thought. So in the very beginning, that's the way we were created. But because of the fall in the garden, and we'll talk about that in just a moment, God's original plan got messed up. How many of you have ever messed up God's plan for your life? Can I see the hands? The, God's original plan got messed up. Now, now, most of us can't comprehend this. God's original plan for your life was that you would never think a negative thought, and that you would never do a bad thing. How many of you, that's your plan for your children? You don't want them to ever be negative. You don't want them ever to be contrary to God. You don't want them to ever fail. You want them to be blessed all of the time. That is put in us by Almighty God. But because of the fall, then mankind really went through a tremendous turmoil. We're going to talk about that and how we can get set free to be the people that God wants us to be and how God has really restored us. But one of the most important things that we have to understand is not just saying God wants to bless us and we're going from glory to glory. That's true. That is true. But if that doesn't get deeply embedded in your mind, you will vacillate like a windshield wiper back and forth based on what you feel and the circumstances in your life. And this is the message tonight. When do you practice thinking? Turn to your neighbor and ask him, when do you practice thinking? Now, my guess is you're probably thinking, well, that's a silly question. Well, I've never heard that message before. When do I practice thinking? Well, almost every Thursday, we have worship practice. Why do you practice? You practice because you want to learn how to do it. Athletes have football practice. They have baseball practice. They have basketball practice. Why do they do it? They want to learn how to do it so that they can do it right. Before you get married, many people have a rehearsal. They practice what the wedding is going to be like. We go out and practice drive. I remember with most of our grandchildren, not all of them, we go out and we practice driving before we actually do it. I remember my dad took me out on a gravel road Back in that era, there were a lot of gravel roads around here. <laughs> Glory to God, I remember. This really dates you. I remember Teal Road when it was a gravel road. But, but that, Dad took me out on a gravel road, and it was a stick shift. And, uh, man, I, can you imagine a stick shift on a gravel road and how you're clutching it and spinning the tires and everything? My dad was very patient with me. When Lori 
uh, first got her license, I took her over to uh, drive. A, uh, some people in our church had given us a stick shift uh, car, Chevette, I think it was. And, uh, and, and Lori said, okay, you're going to teach me to drive? And I said, yeah. Took her over to the football stadium. And, and if you've ever been at the football stadium, you know how it goes up like this. And I said, we're going to go up and down this hill. <laughs> Boy, you talk about a buck and bronco. That was quite, that was quite a night. But uh, it was a lot of fun. But, but we practice. We practice. We practice. We practice. Now, I know it sounds just a little silly and a little different. But when do you just practice thinking? When do you practice determining how to think so that you can think as a better person, so that you can think the way God wants you to think, just like anything else that we practice, but we never practice thinking. Turn to your neighbor and ask him again, when do you practice thinking? Now, I love to study people, and I just love to listen to people talk. I probably have never dominated any conversation, although my wife may want to contradict that. But, uh, but I love to listen to people talk, and especially people who know God and who know the Word and who have the power of the Holy Spirit in them and listen to them and wonder why are they continually contradicting what they really know God wants them to be saying and thinking. Why would anybody in their right mind, everybody say the right mind, Ask your neighbor, are you in your right mind? <clears throat> and then you might ask them again. They may ask you, what is a right mind? <laughs> but, but when do you just actually just practice? How, how many of you would think it would be so cool at the end of the day if you could sit down with the tape recorder and listening to everything you said? Everything you said when somebody says this, I didn't mean to say that, that's not true. You can't talk without meaning to say it. Because your mind allows you to talk. Your mind allows you to form words. We're going to talk about that. God gave us the answer. Everybody say, God's got the answer. Proverbs 23, 7, you hear it a lot in this church, but as a man thinketh, so is he. Whatever we think, we're going to be drawn toward that, and we're going to attract that to us. Proverbs 16, 13 says that if you will commit your way and your works to the Lord, your thoughts will be established for you. So in other words, when you get up and you say, like if you got up in the morning and, said, and, and, and Sue said to Bill, Bill, what's your will for me today? Well, Bill could tell her and give her a list, and she would know how to perform for the rest of the day what would be pleasing to Bill. Now, I'm, I'm sure she's saying, could you please move on a little bit? Or vice versa, Bill could do the same thing. But you would go to the source, everybody say the source, and you say, what do you want me to think? I say, I'll tell you what I want you to think as soon as I know what I want you to think. Now, what happens is, and I know this sounds a little silly to you, but God wants us to commit our minds and our bodies to him so that we will think what he wants us to think because we all operate the same way number one we think number two we speak and number three we act we think we speak we act let's just say i think i speak i act now the devil, in Genesis chapter 3 is where we're going to go right now. The devil has always been after us to, to pervert our mind so that we won't think what God wants us to think. And the spirit of man was created to live forever. When God created man, man was created to live forever. 
and that when the fall came in Genesis, when, when Adam and Eve sinned, and they listened to something that they shouldn't have listened to, then it affected the spirit of man, and the spirit of man died, and God said, I've got to remove them from the garden, because if I don't, they're going to live forever, and they're going to partake of the tree of the knowledge of the of the fruit of life, and they'll live forever. It was a tree that he wanted us originally to partake of because every tree in the garden was for the good of man. So far, so good? Turn to your neighbor and tell him, so far I'm getting it. Now, what we have to understand is who is in charge of what we think. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, we're going to go there, 2 Corinthians chapter 10 is where I believe most people fight a fight of faith and don't realize it, and, and many times they lose the fight. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, it tells us how we should be living our life because now the devil is that proverbial lion. He's walking about. How many, how many of you know the devil is real? Can I see your hand? Let, let's all say The devil is real, and he is very good at what he does. Now, he does not have power and authority over us unless we allow him to have it, but he's very good at what he does to deceive us and make us think something that is contradictory or contrary to God's will. And there are so many people today. Now, if you're here today and you're on medicine or anything for your mind, don't stop. Stay where you are until the Holy Spirit shows you or your doctor shows you. But we are living in a world today that instead of, in my opinion, living the Word of God, meditating the Word of God, and allowing the Word of God to consume us, we're trying to get our feelings dealt with medicinally, whether it be through prescribed medicine, or whether it be through drugs, or whether it be through alcohol, because I want to feel good. I want to feel a certain way. And we're living in a society that is trying to live by their feelings. And that is contrary to the Word of God. We're to live by our spirit, tuned into the Holy Spirit with a renewed mind. And how you feel will come as a result of how you think. I want to say this again. How you feel will come as a result of how you think. And if our mind is renewed to the Word of God and to the will of God, we will eventually feel great about ourselves. But the Word of God is what has to take place in our life. Now, when we look at Genesis chapter 3, and most of you know this scripture, but it's really talking about how when, when the devil, it says the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field and, uh, which the Lord had made. And he said to the woman, how many of you know, you may not recognize it as the devil, let me just ask you this question. How many of you know that something speaks to your mind that you know is contrary to God? Can I see your hands? In other words, you, it's like, wow, where did that thought come from? Surely I didn't think that thought. Yes, you did. It came into your mind, and you thought it. And the minute you thought it, you had a choice to download it or to get rid of it. If you download it, you're going to start to eventually listen to it, meditate it, and believe it. 
and it will take you places you don't want to go. That's why today, and this isn't a message about drugs per se, but that's why today we got, we got a lot of young children, I mean uh, middle school, they're experimenting with marijuana. And we got people in our government that are out of their mind trying to legalize marijuana because what it does, it placates the flesh and it puts them in a zone up here. Now, I've never used marijuana, never had it tempted to me in high school. I'm sure if I had, I would have used it because back in those days, I didn't have much sense, but, but, but I'm sure I would have used it. <laughs> Did you ever use marijuana in high school, Bill? No? Okay. Okay. Uh, <laughs> or like Bill Clinton. Well, I, I smoked it, but I didn't inhale. No, <laughs> a liar, liar, pants on fire. But 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 I, I'm sure I would have. But I've talked to I've talked to people. Uh, one, our nephew that uh, ministering to, trying to minister to out in, in Denver. Uh, he went out there. He wanted to be a marijuana farmer or whatever and grow it, and because it's legal out there. <sighs> Matt, if you hear this, you know I love you. And I'm not telling you anything about him that I haven't told him, but his mind is so messed up because of marijuana. He thinks he can't function without marijuana. He thinks he has to have it. Uh, maybe I'll give up the heroin, but I can't give up the marijuana. Folks, it's a slippery slope. Everybody say, slippery slope. And when you start trying to do something with your mind with some type of a drug or some type of a thing that makes you feel good for a moment. I can relate to marijuana. I can relate to alcohol. I used to do alcohol. Uh, you don't have to raise your hand if you don't want to, but how many of you used to drink a lot of alcohol? Uh, and it's like, don't tell me, it doesn't make you feel good. I know it makes me feel good. No, it doesn't make you feel good. It masks your mind, and it causes you to go into a land where you're not meditating your, 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 your own thoughts, and you're open to the devil. You're open to the things that the devil wants to do. Now, the devil has always wanted to get into our thought life, and he still walks about as that proverbial lion, seeing who he may destroy. That's 1 Peter chapter 5. But, in, but right here in Genesis chapter 3, sorry, confusing you back there probably, but in Genesis chapter 3, he came and, and he said, has God indeed said to Eve, did he really say that you shouldn't partake of that uh, tree that is over there that shows the, the knowledge of good and evil? Because if you partook of that, it wouldn't be that big of a deal. And then you would kind of know what God knows. And you'd be smarter than you are right now. And if you just entertain that thought, it would really go well with you. And the rest of the story, as Paul Harvey used to say, they both did that, and their eyes of their understanding were open, and they ended up giving away what God wanted man to have. Why did it happen? Was it because the devil was smarter than them? No way. Why did the fall of man take place in the garden? Because they entertained a thought that they shouldn't entertain. Now, they heard the thought. Everybody say they heard the thought. They heard the thought, and, the, and it's an incoming. You know, here comes an incoming, and that incoming was coming in. And it's like, whoa, this thought is contrary to what God said. I'm getting rid of that thought immediately. 
But if you don't do it, the same thing that happened in the garden right now will happen to you. Well, my marriage will never make it. Incoming, it's the wrong thought. Well, I'll never be healed of this. Wrong thought. My mind will never, my kids will never get off drugs. Wrong thought. And what happens then is the devil is still launching fiery darts. Tell your neighbor, the, the devil's launching fiery darts at you right now. Whether it's in this place or when you get out of this place. Can I see the hands of the people you know the devil is launching fiery darts at you? Now it's got to reach this point in our life. I'm not afraid of the fiery darts. I'm not afraid of the devil. It's not going to bother me when he says those things or does those things to me. I'm going to hear it and think, you've got to be nuts. I have the mind of Christ. I throw that thought down right now. I refuse to think anything contrary to the word of God. But I am amazed, back to my original statement, I am amazed at the number of people in the body of Christ that I hear talking what they would know in their right mind is contrary to the word of God. And now this is where we're going to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 10 because this is what the word of God says. It says that we do not war against flesh and blood, but again, <clears throat> here we go. Though, though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. The weapons of our warfare, everybody say, I have weapons. I have weapons. Say, my weapons are strong. The weapons of my warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Now stop right there just for a moment. A lot of us don't realize this, but our problem is we have a stronghold. We got a problem in our mind that we need to deal with, and that that stronghold came from the devil. Now what is the stronghold? It's anything that is contrary to the will of God and the word of God that you find yourself continually meditating and allowing it to take your focus and your attention off of the will of God and the word of God. And many times in counseling, You'll find people, they keep going back to the same old thing over and over and over again. Well, this happened to me, and this happened to me, and this happened to me, and this happened to me. This is very difficult sometimes to say to people, but are you ready to be counseled? Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm ready to be counseled. Are you ready to come back for counseling once you hear it? Get over it. Get over it. Turn to your neighbor and say, get over it. Now, somebody might say, well, wait a minute. What about their feelings? What about their feelings? Folks, feelings will lock you up for eternity. Feelings will lock you up, and you will just, you, you'll get into a little shell, and you almost sit back in that fetal position. I just can't make it. I can't make it. That is contrary to the Word of God. The devil is trying to tell you you can't make it. You can accomplish anything God has willed for you. It says that the weapons of warfare are mighty in God, everybody say in God, for pulling down strongholds. Now look at what it says after this. Casting down arguments. What's the devil trying to do? He's trying to get you to entertain an argumentative thought against the will of God. Cast down arguments. What do you mean an argument? Did God say? Yes, he said. He said, you have the mind of Christ. God, you know, Pam made the confession earlier. We're blessed coming, we're blessed going. We're going from glory to glory. We are the head, not the tail. We are steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. 
Well, what about, what about nothing? I am casting this thought down. I am living, walking the word of God. I know what the word of God says. Therefore, I am focused like a flint. And if I miss it, I'll say, God, forgive me. And I'll get back up. Because though I fall, I shall. Though I fall, I shall. And you get so tuned in to practicing what you don't believe that you eventually believe it. Does that make sense to you? In other words, you practice the Word of God enough wanting to believe it. How many of you have ever tried to believe something you didn't believe? I forget where it is in the Scripture right now. It says, God, help my, uh, uh, God I believe, help my unbelief. It said, well, that sounds like a contradiction. There are many times I'll say, God, I believe you can do anything you want, but I don't believe this is going to change, but you're going to have to help my unbelief because I know you can do it, even though I just said I don't think you can do it. I know you can do it. Does that make sense to anybody, or is it just confusing me? It's like I know what I'm supposed to believe, but I don't know that I believe it. But if I rehearse it, I can fill my part in this play. I can fill my part of acting like, looking like, and talking like Jesus, but I sure as heck don't feel like that. Does that make sense to you? In other words, I know my part in this play. I know who I'm supposed to be like. I'm supposed to be an imitator of God. Hmm, I wonder how God wants me to act. Well, I think he wants me to meditate his word day and night. I think he wants me to act like, talk like, look like him. Well, what would he want us to do? How would he want us to think in this situation? Would he speak something that's not as if it were? That doesn't make sense. That sounds like I'm lying. No, it sounds like Romans 4.17. God, it's awfully quiet in here tonight. Is it quiet in here tonight? Everybody shout, do something. Ooh, I like that. Okay, okay. Romans 4.17 says God speaks things that are not as if they were, and Abraham was so convinced that God knew what he was doing that he said, I am fully assured that whatever God wants to do and whatever God says, he's well able. So let's all say, God, God. is well able. But we have a part to play in this whole thing. Because right here it says, casting out arguments in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing how many thoughts into captivity? Every. How many thoughts? Every. How many thoughts? Every. Okay, now how many of you know that you should bring every thought that is contrary to the Word of God and the will of God into captivity? Can I see your hands? Now everybody look around. Get up there real high. Okay, everybody look around. Okay, very good. A plus. Take them down. How many of you don't do that? Can I see all your hands? Take them down. That's an F, by the way. So you got an A plus and an F, that'll give you what, a B or C? Now, 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 why do we do that? Because we haven't practiced thinking right. We haven't practiced thinking, ooh, there's that thought. I'm not afraid of that thought, but I got to get rid of that thought. Otherwise, it'll affect me and what I see, and I'll be drawn to that thought, and I'll draw that thought to me. So God speaks things that are not as if they were. Let the rich say, I am. Said that wrong, didn't I? <laughs> Let the poor say, I am. Let the weak say, I am. And therefore, we start to practice that, which I need to practice it, obviously, and so that it's coming out right. In other words, we practice thinking. 
Now, I know this sounds silly, but when do you just get all alone and think? You can't think in front of a TV set. You can't think reading the wrong book, but you can think reading the right book. You can't, you can't think on the Internet. You can't think in your busy day. You can't think, i got to do this, i got to do that, i got to do this. And all of a sudden, your day comes, and you're tired, and you just collapse into bed, or you collapse in front of a TV set, and you just, you just don't ever take time to really work with the most, one of the most important things in your life, and that is how to teach yourself to practice to think right. If you think right, you'll do right. If you think right, you'll speak right. If you think right, you'll act right. But so many people, it's like, well, I just don't feel like it. This is part of my counseling. Who cares how you feel? Turn to your neighbor and say, what did he say? You got to get over trying to live in a feel-good world. Oh, I'll feel good if I got more money. No, you won't. Your radar will go lock on to something else. Pam and I had this discussion at, at, at today. We're talking about a certain person that, that we've prayed for, and there's a dear person we love dearly. So we weren't talking about them, but we're talking about how their mind, I think this is what I said, their mind is like, uh, have you ever seen that radar blip on TV? The, uh, bu bu what's it called? Uh, well, it doesn't matter. Doppler. Doppler. And this Doppler thing is going, and, and, I, and I was using that example, and I said, I said this person is kind of like that thing that it goes over here, and beep, I got a problem over here, and we help them solve the problem, and beep, I got a problem over here, beep, I got that. And I, and I made, made the statement, I said, I think they only feel fulfilled if they got a problem to talk about. How many of you know some people that just are always, I'm talking about Christians, that are always seemingly take a conversation from a level and start going down. The kind that right in the room when they leave. Uh, you know you know what I'm talking about, you get that later. But, but, but in, other words, in other words, this is really deep teaching, but negative people, Christians, negative people are negative. Negative, <laughs> negative people are very negative. And what happens is they're doing it because it has been a habit in their life that is now a stronghold. You habitually do a certain thing over and over again, and it will become a habit, and then it will become a stronghold. But let's look at what it says. Bring every thought into the back up just one moment. Every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Now, you've heard me share this before over the years, I'm sure. The average person, supposedly, thinks about 30,000 plus thoughts a day, 30,000. I'm sure I am below average because I don't think I think that much, but I try to think for myself. Does that make sense? In other words, I try to think what I want to think, not what somebody else wants me to think. You know the ads on television? They're wanting you to think a certain way. They're not necessarily subliminal, but they, they, they want to come into the subliminal part of your mind so that you will think what they want you to think. Remember that night 
we were in bed and there's an ice cream ad on. It, it, I know this is the silliest thing in the world, but it was about 10 o'clock at night. They had a new ice cream that came on and Pam and I were watching and she said, doesn't that look good? I said, yes, you're not gonna believe the stupid thing I did. I got out of bed, went to the store, bought the ice cream, came home and we sat in bed and ate the ice cream. <laughs> Oh, talk about subliminal advertising, working on foolish people, it did. That was me. But what happens then is that when, when we understand that we are responsible to think what the Holy Spirit and the Word of God wants us to think, because we're a three-part being if we know the Lord. Everybody say, I'm a three-part being. God speaks to us by the Spirit. Our spirit tells our mind what to think, and our mind becomes renewed, Romans 12, 1 and 2. Pam made reference to it Sunday, that we present our bodies as a living sacrifice. It's just a reasonable service. There's no big deal. We're supposed to sacrifice our body. Everybody say, sacrifice my body. I'm supposed to sacrifice my body so that I won't be conformed to the world, but so I'll be transformed by the renewing of my mind so that I'll know the perfect will of God. So therefore, I'll meditate the Word of God. What does the Word of God have to say about this situation? And then my life will change because of it. But if you're thinking 20, 30,000 thoughts, 10,000 thoughts, 5,000, whatever the number of thoughts you think. How many of you know you think a lot? Can I see your hand? Okay, how many of you are like me and you don't think that much? I, I, I don't, I really, I, I mean, I think, but I meditate the same thought a lot. Does that make sense? In other words, I, I, I want to meditate what I want to meditate and think what I want to think. And somebody says, don't you care what I think? And I pretend that I do, but I really don't. Now, <laughs> I'm sorry. But what, what happens is, is we have to be alert, on high alert. Everybody say high alert. Over in Israel, they have this, boy, I'm running out of time. They have this uh, uh, Iron Dome, and, and this one year I was, I was over there is it, just fascinating. It looked like a teenager explained it to me. It's a captain in the IDF, and uh, it's just, uh, I can't think of the name. Iron Dome, that's what they call it. I, this Iron Dome and these rockets. Uh, uh, it was an Israeli uh, scientist came up with it that gave it, gave the formula to America. We, we have the formula, and this is not classified information, I'm going to tell you, but it's, it's, it's unbelievable how that, that when the rocket fires from wherever it is, Gaza Strip or whatever, and the rocket fires, immediately they know in, in their computer where the rocket came from and where the rocket will land. And if it's going to land in an isolated area where there are no people, they let the rocket go. If it's going to land anywhere where there's people, the rocket, the, the Iron Dome rocket, takes off immediately from the location where it is, and it heads to the point where the rocket is going to go that was fired by the enemy, and then it does a U-turn and comes back on the same trajectory as the rocket. In other words, the rocket can't get around it, and it hits it and explodes it in midair. They have to have a quick response because they said the response time has to be so quick so that that weapon can go up there and engage the enemy rocket immediately. Folks, the minute you think a thought contrary to the Word of God and the will of God, immediately you have to get a hold of that thought and cast it down. Everybody say, I'm going to cast it down. But the more times you meditate it, the more times it becomes a habit, the more times you begin to believe it, and the more times you start to build a stronghold. And I am convinced of this. Now you can turn to your neighbor and say, he may not be talking to you now. 
I'm convinced that we have a whole lot of people in the body of Christ walking around with strongholds. And they're not ready for the warfare that's coming. Oh, I know Jesus. No, I got eternal life. But you're not ready for what's coming because you got strongholds. Fear can be a stronghold. Anxiety can be a stronghold. Word of God says we'll be anxious for nothing. Philippians 4, 6. If you ever study the book of Philippians chapter 6, uh, of chapter 4, it, it'll tell you how to think. Uh, don't think anything that's not noble, honest, pure, of good report, uh, dunamis power in it. If you, if, don't think those things. Don't think those things. Don't think, uh, let's all say it. Don't think anything, don't think contrary, anything. To contrary to the Word of God. When we decide to live our life like this, then it will change our life. And truly, as a man thinks, so is he. I want to pray tonight for people that you know you have a stronghold. A lot of times in church, it's like, ah, I don't, don't want anybody to know I got something wrong with me. Folks, we all got something wrong with us somewhere that we're working on. Nobody is perfect. So let's all say it. I'm not perfect. But I know this. If you have a stronghold and you know it, and you don't identify it and do something about it, you'll just think that's the way you are. And I know a lot of people today, they're on the sidelines in the body of Christ. And the reason is because they're trying to feel good and feel the way out of it. It's not going to happen that way. It's going to happen by the Word of God. It's going to happen by meditating the Word of God, by living the Word of God, because God's not given us a spirit of fear or anxiety, but He's given us power, love, and a sound mind. And the rest of the scripture up there that she put up just a moment ago in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 was talking about casting down thoughts. It says, and being ready, uh, next one, verse 6, and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Now, I hope this comes across right. We should be encouragers, exhorters, and edifiers. Okay? But when you really study 2 Timothy chapter 3, three and four, in the days that we're living in, it talks about the very elect being deceived. Actually, that's Jesus talking about the very elect being deceived. But it says then that people really in the body of Christ are going to heap up people that have, they have itching ears. They just want to hear what makes them feel good. They want a feel-good uh, ministry. But what, up here it says that, that we are going to have to work on our obedience ourselves. Put that scripture back up there again. Uh, our obedience ourselves, being obedient to what God shows, being ready to punish all disobedience. How much? All. Being ready to punish. Now, that's not a word that an exhorter, an encourager, and an edifier likes to use. Well, I'm going to go punish a bunch of people. No, I believe it's talking about what we need to do to ourselves. If we're obedient, we're going to inherit and bring forth the good of the land. The willing and obedient will eat the good of the land. But through disobedience, there are a lot of people that are disobedient. They have a stronghold in there. 2 Timothy chapter 4 says that we are to encourage, exhort, and rebuke. Let's all say encourage, encourage. exhort, and rebuke. And if you don't know how to do all three, you'll probably lean toward what we all like. I like people to like me. So I will encourage, I will exhort, I will edify. But when you study the Word of God, it says the fear of people 
the fear of man is a snare. It snared Joshua in the second battle that he went into after he was so victorious at Jericho. And he listened to the people, and he didn't, he doesn't say this, but the people had a different idea. How many of you know people that have a different idea than you? Well, you're just judgmental, or you're just this, or you're just that. Folks, we are raising up, I believe, a society of people who are being pampered, who are being enabled, and they're not pursuing the things of God. And I believe that you and I have a mission, and that is to encourage, to exhort, and to edify people to let our mind be renewed so that we're doing what God has called us to do and bring people into the body of Christ. But it starts with us. Everybody say, it starts with me. And if you're here tonight and you have a stronghold, you need to let that thing go. Let's all stand to our feet. I believe God wants people set free. And in my life, uh, I know that when I came into the body of Christ, I brought some strongholds in with me. Some stuff in my mind just wasn't right. But if you're willing to let go of what God wants you to let go of and move on with your life, He'll come in and fill that situation in your life. I don't know what your stronghold is. Maybe it's fear. There are a lot of people that I observe in the body of Christ, they have fear. And they say, I don't have any fear. They got fear. Fear manifests in their life all the time. And they'll never go where God wants them to go. They'll never be all God wants them to be unless they get rid of that fear. Perfect love, perfect love casts out all fear. Body of Christ, there should be no fear. There should be no anxiety. There should be no nothing that would separate us from the will of God. God's got a great plan for your life. Let's say it. The Word of God, word of God is, truth. is truth. If I live the Word, I will be blessed. It is so true. Would you bow your heads with me? I want to ask you the most important question you'll ever answer. Do you know without a doubt if you died tonight, you would go to be with Jesus? If you're here and you're not sure, you need to make sure tonight. Maybe you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Or maybe you have and you've been like a prodigal son, a prodigal daughter. You've walked away from him. Don't let another moment go by. If you're not sure that you have eternal life, let's settle the issue tonight. And if I've described you, I'm going to ask you just to slip your hand in the air. We're going to pray for you. Father, you know every single person here. Yes, I see those two hands. Are there others? You say, pray for me. I, I know my life is not right. Let's all pray this prayer right now. Jesus, I believe that you're the Son of God and that you died for my sin. I've sinned. I've made mistakes. But I acknowledge you as my Lord and Savior. I ask you to come into my heart. Take control of my life. The true desire of my heart is to serve you. Now look at me for just a moment. If you're here and you know that you have a stronghold, in just a moment, we're going to have people laying their hands on you. And that stronghold is going to be gone. What you have to do is to replace it with the Word of God. You may be here tonight and you may say, well, I don't, I, I don't know that much of the Word of God. When I first got saved, 
I knew one scripture and one scripture only. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's the only scripture I use. I still say that one all the time, all the time. There are times when I don't know what to do. I feel overwhelmed. I just say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I just say it over and over again. So it isn't a question of how much word you know. It's a question of, are you using what you know? How many of you are here tonight and you say, I do believe I have a stronghold in my mind. Can I see your hand? Now lift it real high. Don't lift it real high. Now believers, look around at those with their hands raised. And I want you to go to them and begin to pray for them right now. I want you to pray that that thing is going to be gone. And then I'm going to lead you in a confession because the word of God is clear. We have victory over every stronghold. A stronghold is merely a lie that you have listened to, you have entertained, and it has come in through the flesh and in through the devil, and it cannot stand in the path of Almighty God. It cannot stand against the Word of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. Father God, you know every single person that had their hand lifted. You know what their mind has gone through. You know the things that have tried to torment them. We bind it now in the name of Jesus. We loose the power of God in Jesus' name that you have power. You have a sound mind. You've not had a spirit of fear, no anxiety, but a renewed mind to the Word of God. We speak it forth. We believe it in the name of Jesus. We decree it. We cast down every stronghold, every stronghold that is trying to exalt itself against the knowledge of Christ. We pray it. We believe it in Jesus' name. Everybody said, now before we leave tonight, let me give you this warning, this alert. The devil will come and try to steal every message you ever hear in this church. He'll fire a fiery dart. He may do it before you get to your car in the parking lot. He may do it immediately. But what you do is no different than what all of us have to do. The incoming, everybody say the incoming. This is not about confession. Everybody say the incomings are coming. Those fiery darts are coming. Boom! I refuse to think that thought. Let's all say, I refuse any thought contrary to the word of God. I cast it out in Jesus' name. Now when you cast it out, you need to replace it. You need to replace it with the Word of God. Well, I only know one scripture. Great, you got a bullet. Use it. Take that scripture. Use it. For me, thanks be to God who gives me the victory. I am steadfast. I am immovable. I am always abounding in the work of the Lord. You know when I say that most? When I don't feel like it. When I just as soon not be here. When I just as soon go lay on the beach. Hell, I still feel that. Uh, you, know, you understand what I'm talking about. When I really feel like a truck's run over me, I don't feel like it at all. But it is amazing how the Word of God works. I am steadfast. I am immovable. I am abounding in the work of the Lord. And after a while, you know what? I believe it. I believe it for you too. So let's say it. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. 
who gives me the victory. Therefore, now say it with great gusto. Therefore, I am steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Let's give the Lord a hand.